Wednesday night service. Uh, man, it's good to see everybody tonight. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord together? Amen. Well, let's make our way into the sanctuary here. And we're going to get into the word and everything tonight. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up. And we will... <laughs> I know a lot of you just sat down. My bad, guys. My bad. But, hey, no, no, no. I sat up. Up, up. All right. So, <laughs> hey, we're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And like we always say, we're going to keep believing and declaring that this nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's say it together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, give the Lord some praise. And you may be seated. All right. Well, it is good to be back. As you know, I couldn't be here Sunday due to the COVID, but hey, I'm all better now. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. As grateful as I am for live stream, I was one miserable pastor sitting at home in bed watching you guys online. I didn't like it at all, but it's okay because it was great to be able to still check in that way. All right. Pastor and Mrs. P are out of town for the next couple weeks. Uh, they flew out there in New York City with my brother Joe, uh, but they'll be back at the end of the month, so they'll probably watch online. So they love you, and they'll see you soon. There you go. I said that. So uh, <clears throat> let's see. We got some announcements. Got some stuff going on here. So tomorrow night is Servant Leadership at 7 p.m. in Victory Hall. And if you're like, well, what's Servant Leadership? Well, that's where we got a chance to get together and uh, look at some of the planning of the upcoming events and, and work on some of the upcoming projects and, and things that we've got going on. So it is definitely your chance if you want to be involved to a deeper level. Uh, this is definitely for you. So from 7 to to 8 p.m. tomorrow night, Victory Hall Servant Leadership, okay? And then... Uh, we got a great big children's church announcement. As you can tell, we're making lots of upgrades and changes to children's church. And uh, and so we're really happy about all that. But starting next Wednesday night, okay, I've waited three and a half years for this. And so have you. We are going to have children's ministry available for every age group on Wednesday nights, everybody. Amen. So uh, we haven't been able to do that since pre-COVID, but we are going to have, um, they've worked it out where they've got teachers and everything for every single class starting next Wednesday. And uh, and so anyway, and there's all the other great things coming down the pike with the children's ministry too. So uh, it's just, we're, we're so happy about that. All right. And then the men's meeting is going to be on Saturday, September 2nd, 9 a.m. Gentlemen, what is the motto? It's on the screen. Help me out. No, come on. I've been saying this for six months. Come on. Breakfast, Bibles, and bros. Come on, man. Come on. Help me out. Help me out. Oh. Here I put in all this work to, to make a motto for us. 
Well, by all this work, I meant about 10 seconds one day. It just popped into my mind. But at the same time, we got to remember this. Breakfast Bibles, bros. Uh, Saturday, the second. And then uh, ladies. Are there any ladies in the house? All right. I thought I saw you. I thought I saw you. All right. So the women's meeting fall kickoff is Friday, September 8th at 6.30. And uh, that's going to be a great time doing all your girly things that you do. We love it so much, all right? And then uh, married. Are there any married people in the house? Amen. If you're married and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you... Yeah, all right, yeah. Woo. Okay, so, uh, hey, check it out. Listen to me. Friday, September 15th, from 6.30 to 8.30 in Victory Hall, we are doing a uh, marriage night, and it's going to be great free child care. So don't say, well, we'd go, but we ain't got no one to watch them kids. Well, hey, we'll watch the kids for you. So all you got to do is register online, hdwc.org slash married, and you can sign up for child care and a dish to share. Pastor Josh and Julie will be in charge of that event, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. All right, so we're getting into the fall season, and that means things start to get a little bit busier. We kind of laid low this summer a little bit, didn't put a lot of events on the calendar, but here we are getting into that busy time of year again. Who knows what's coming up at the end of October? Harvest Fest, people, man, Harvest Fest, and uh, so the planning is going on for that as we speak. And uh, they're gonna, they're doing some fundraisers after some of the Sunday services. So just be ready, man. It's going to be the biggest and best ever this year. Who believes that? Thank you. Amen. All right. Well, with all that being said, who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time. And by happy time, we mean that God loves a cheerful giver. So we get happy when we can give. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Let's open our Bibles tonight to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Praise God. And we're going to look here at verse 8, Psalm 96 and verse 8. Now, Psalm 96 is written by David, and it's actually a really neat uh, neat chapter. It's nearly identical uh, to all the verses found in 1 Chronicles 16. And it's a time that David was given some praise to the Lord. And he was excited that uh, they were able to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And if you know David, man, he likes to celebrate real, real big. And so Psalm 96, and we're going to look here at verse 8 because he says something super interesting regarding giving glory to God. Who wants to bring glory to God? Man, I do. As the Christian, like that's our goal, man, to bring glory to God. But David put an interesting spin on it here. Psalm 96 and verse 8, he says, give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Amen. But then he says, hey, bring your offering and come into his courts. Well, I know there's a lot of ways that we can bring glory to God. And this isn't really a way that I had thought of before till I was reading this verse. Because everybody says they want to bring glory to God. David himself all the time said, I want to bring glory to God. And it's interesting to note right here that he says, one way I can do that is by bringing an offering when I come in to the courts of the Lord or the house of God. Or as we would say in 2023, 
into church. Amen. And so as we're giving our offering tonight and bringing our tithe forward, we can know that while we're doing that, we are bringing glory to God in his house and in his courts. And I know that that's what we want to do. Amen. All right, let's stand up and we're going to speak some words of faith over our giving tonight. Because everything we do is by faith. The New Testament tells us anything that is not of faith is sin. And so we mix faith in with everything we do. All right, let's go ahead and speak these words together. Then we're going to praise God. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. As Pastor Dave said, feel free to bring your offering up tonight and join us at the altar for worship. And let's sing to the Lord together. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would down your life That I would be supreme Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me Chaos back into order. Who makes the open a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory. The King above all kings Now this is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life 
then I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Let's sing that. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. This is a this is a love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. All that you've done for me. Just you, 
the riches of this world could never satisfy that my heart want for only you. You're the center. Should I wander? You're my Just you, am I want for nothing but you? Just you, the riches of this world could never satisfy. Am I want for only you? For you, for me, only Jesus. Jesus, right? The enemy wants to distract us. He wants us to be so broken that we can't focus on the one true thing that gets us through everything the enemy throws at us, 
right? He wants us to forget that never has he failed you. He is always there. He has every answer that we need. For me, only Jesus. For my family, only Jesus. For work, only Jesus. For this church, only Jesus. For Barstow, only Jesus. This doesn't need to just be words. This should be the cry of our heart. This should be something that we are on our knees screaming. For me, only Jesus, Lord. Every day, every second, right now, Lord. Only you for me. could satisfy nothing else could bring answers nothing else could bring fulfillment anyway and so lord once we really really get a hold of you we thank you that you are the key to everything else you are the answer and we love you and we worship you tonight and we ask that you would have your way here that you would speak to each one of us lord and do what you need to do to change our lives we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Father. Amen. Can we give him some praise tonight? Hallelujah. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Who knows that this evening? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to have a good time getting into the word here. We're going to be doing communion at the end of the service. This is our third Wednesday night. And so every third Wednesday night, we do communion as well. And also every fifth Sunday night. Fun fact. But we want to make sure that everybody in the family gets a chance to receive communion on a regular basis. So, uh, hey, who knows what we've been doing on Wednesday nights all summer long? 
fruit of the spirit, baby. That's right. Yeah. And so last Wednesday night, my wonderful mother uh, did uh, number seven, which is faithfulness. And that was awesome. Did a great job with that. Uh, but who knows what part we would be on tonight? Who knows what number eight out of nine is? Gentleness. It's gentleness. I'm going to just help you out there. It's gentleness. Okay. And we're going to get into this, but what we've been doing for a Wednesday night summer series is the fruit of the spirit. And we've taken every single one. There's nine altogether, uh, and studied them individually. And I believe it's been a great chance for a deeper look at some of this stuff, but let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter five, Galatians five tonight. Who's excited? Amen. Yeah, feeling it. All right. Miss Sabrina and Desiree are. Megan, we, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Amen. And we're going to look at verses 22 through 23. Amen. I love it. Galatians 5. 22 through 23. And what I've been liking is when we all just read it together. So let's read these two verses together tonight. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Here it is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Amen. And so the fruit of the spirit, just a very quick recap, very quick rewind for just a minute here before we get in to number eight, the fruit of the spirit we keep saying is best described as the proof of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is the proof that you have been born of the Spirit or born again. And the most straightforward way that we can say that we're putting this is it's proof you're a Christian. And so really, if somebody's observing your life, they should see these nine things and already know you're a Christian before you even tell them you're a Christian, right? Because your actions and your behavior should speak so much louder than your words. And and so somebody should look at any Christian and see these nine things. Now, one important thing that we continuously have reminded every single lesson here is that, yes, none of us are perfect. None of us are fully developed in all nine of these areas. Only one person ever reached that level. His name was Jesus Christ. But the good news is, is he's our example and we're spending every day of our lives trying to be just like him, aren't we? Yeah. Amen. And so none of us have arrived, but we have left and we're further than where we were at. And so with the fruit of the spirit, we always remember that fruit grows, right? It's not just an instant thing. So I, I grew up out in the country, had lots of apple trees, had lots of pear trees, lots of other things, but you know, you would go out there in the springtime and, and there'd be a little bud on the, on the apple tree, you know, just a little green sprout. And out of all my years of walking amongst apple trees. I never once went out there on one day and just saw a little sprout. And then the next day walked out there and there was fully grown apples, like perfectly developed, full grown apples. No, it was, uh, it took some time. It took a season of, of growth and development and, and, and receiving the rain and the nutrients. But here's the thing. It always did grow. And so in our lives, yes, none of us are 
fully developed in all nine of these areas. None of us are perfect, but we do have to say we should be seeing some growth in these areas. If, if we can look back and say like, well, it's been 10 years now and I'm, I mean, I haven't grown in my love whatsoever. I've got no more patience or kindness than I ever had. Okay. There's something wrong with that picture. You shouldn't be perfect in that area, but there should be some growth or something is wrong with that tree. And so we're not here to condemn that. We're here to just say, how do we get your life healthy? How do we get you growing in these areas? All right. And so tonight we are on part eight, the eighth fruit, and it is the fruit of gentleness. Now, I think this is an interesting one because... There's a lot of people that would say, well, I'm loving, but I am not gentle or I, you know, whatever you would want to say. And, uh, and so I think that there's some misunderstandings about what biblical gentleness is, but make, make no mistake about it. Every person in this room is called to be gentle. There is nobody here that is exempt or, or, uh, you know, excluded from having the fruit of gentleness in your life. We are all called to have all nine of these things in our lives. Who thinks that Jesus was a very gentle person? I believe that he was. And, you know, I read about the man every day and there's a lot of gentleness that I see there. But this brings me to point number one. I'm just going to get into this because uh, it's got to be said. Gentle doesn't mean weak. Because that's where I, I think a lot of people view gentleness in the wrong way. Gentle does not mean weak. It doesn't mean, you know, you've gone soft and you've got no backbone. And there's actually quite the contrary when we explain this a little bit more. But I heard somebody say this week, and I thought it was really accurate, that the fruit of the Spirit is a picture of Jesus' character and attitude. If you could see Jesus walking the earth, and I mean, you can just read the Bible or look at one of his followers because they act like him. Am I right? Okay, don't sound so confident. (laughs) But listen, but if you were to look at the attitude and the character of Jesus, it it would be exactly these nine things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It would be all of these things. And and, and that was the perfect example. It was uh, the fruit of the spirit is a picture of the character and attitude and personality of who Jesus is. And the goal is that it would describe our lives too. But check it out. Jesus was all of these things, but Jesus was certainly not weak. Who knows that Jesus was gentle? Who knows that Jesus was not weak? Who knows that Jesus didn't back down and that he had spine, he had backbone, he told the truth, he didn't lie to people to avoid hurting their feelings. Jesus was not weak. When he flipped the tables in the temple and chased them out with a whip, was that a moment of weakness? That was pretty strong. When he called the Pharisees a generation of vipers and told them that they were of their father, the devil, was that weak? Actually, if you read the King James, he'd call them another word that we consider a cuss word in modern English, so I'm not going to say it. But, I mean, Jesus said some things that are like, "Woo!" Jesus was not a weak man. But here's the thing. 
Sorry, I'm trying to guard my throat, and here I go yelling and screaming. What a oh, good Lord. Pray for me, people. But Jesus, out of all of this, what's the difference? Is that Jesus did these things for right motives, and Jesus did these things based out of love because everything he did was out of love. And so even when Jesus was flipping tables and chasing you with a whip and, you know, telling you that you were a viper, uh, you know, things of that nature, listen... It was out of love, okay? And, and Jesus never sinned. We know this, that Jesus never sinned, but he could still be described as gentle. And as we talk about gentleness, you know, we tend to think of gentleness as kind of a feminine character trait. And, uh, and you know, a lot of times I, I would just look at this and traditionally moms are the gentle ones and men's are the tough brutes in the traditional setting. But as I was reflecting, I've seen, you know, that in reverse a lot of times too, where maybe the mom's like, <laughs> anyway. All right. So I want to get to this though. I thought this was a great point. Listen, I'm going to put this on the screen. One of the best definitions that I've heard of gentleness is this. All right. Gentleness is controlled strength. Gentleness is a very strong person that can control this strength and not steamroll and abuse and bulldoze people and argue and, 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 you know, emotionally damage people. I love this, that gentleness is, oh, it's strength. It takes a lot of strength to be a gentle person in this day and age. I'm telling you that right now. One of the strongest traits you can have is the trait of gentleness, but gentleness is a controlled strength. And so you may be in a situation where you're mad or frustrated and you have the strength, you do have the ability, we know it, to harm someone mentally, physically, or emotionally, but you choose not to. You choose to respond to the situation with strength, but you are in full control of that strength. And it's productive, and it's not harming people. And you know this, that every person has power, because sometimes we talk and you're like, well, you know, this they're not a strong person, or, or I'm not a very strong person. And even if you aren't strong physically, you have power with your words, with your actions and with your attitudes and you can damage some people even if you're not a very physically strong person but a gentle person controls this power and this strength that they have and they do things God's way. And so I want to look at an incredible story of Jesus handling a very difficult situation with wisdom and with gentleness. I love it. Very good story. John chapter eight. Let's go there. John chapter eight. Amen. We still together tonight? John chapter eight. We're going to look at verses 3 through 11. And here we have, I mean, you see the full wisdom and strength and gentleness of Jesus all combined into one powerful moment in this story. And nobody else in the world could have handled this any better. John chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 3 through 11, a very famous story of Scripture about this woman caught in adultery. So John chapter 8. Looking at verses 3 through 11, it says, 
as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, some of Jesus' fan club, no, not at all, (laughs) brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where's your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, it's a powerful story, and I feel oftentimes I see people tackle this story from so many different angles. But listen, in this story, one thing I love is that Jesus dealt with everybody involved. Everybody. Uh, He could have, Jesus could have theologically and verbally annihilated these men right here. Jesus had a quick tongue. Jesus had a very quick wit. And you can see that in a lot of stories. Jesus could have shredded them and blew them up theologically right here. But would that have done any good in this situation? I don't think that that was the way to go in this particular situation. But Jesus straight burned them. Smoke. With a gentle answer. He's like, okay, go ahead, boys, throw rocks at her, but just make sure that the one that's never sinned gets to throw the first stone. He didn't yell it. He didn't call names. He didn't flip tables and chase them with a whip in this situation, but a soft and gentle answer was just what this situation called for right now. It was absolutely beautiful. And Ben, look at this with the woman. He could have condemned her. He could have annihilated her in this situation. But he handled her with gentleness. I love it. He handled her with gentleness. Now, he didn't excuse the sin. He didn't give her permission to keep doing it. He said, go and sin no more. And I think that this story is a beautiful example of Jesus handling something with strength and dignity but with gentleness and very, very perfect, pure motives. And he handled everybody, but it was all done with gentleness. And I think this is also a great example to us as parents of how to deal with our kids sometimes. We all know that we have to be tough. Uh, We have to have standards and boundaries, right? Who knows you need some standards for your children? They can't just do They think they've got great ideas, but it turns out they don't. And it it turns out that when we were kids, we thought we had brilliant ideas. Uh, It turns out they were really dumb, but we didn't know it at the time. And so, uh, but, but, but listen, when we just blow up and go nuclear on our kids, I've found out that that just typically doesn't produce the result that I wanted. And I'll show you how the Bible proves that later on. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the nuclear option is rarely the best option. Okay. And so, uh, As we deal with our kids, remember, 
you have been given this fruit of the spirit that is called gentleness. Well, that'll just make me weak. No, no, no. Stop it. I already covered that. Gentleness is not weakness. It is pure strength, but it's controlled strength. And it makes you not look like a fool and make you not do stupid things and makes you handle the situation God's way. And we know that his way is always better than our way. Who would like to play a little game tonight? Okay, we're going to play a game called Five Fun Synonyms. And it's not really a game, but I just thought I would word it that way to make you smile. So uh, what we're going to do now is go on to point number two. And and I'm asking the question, what is gentleness? Well, we're going to look at five synonyms of what gentleness is. And these are five biblical words, five synonymous words that, that go hand in hand with gentleness. All right. And so who's ready for the first one? Thank you. I'm ready. <laughs> Amen. Letter A meekness. It's meekness. Like, well, that's not a word we use. Well, if you read the King James Bible, that's the word you use. And so meekness is the word that the King James uses, uh, instead of gentleness. Now meekness by definition, um, the definition of meekness is a quality of heart whereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of someone else. Now, in the case of the Christian, we're talking about God. It means that we have a willing heart to accept and submit without resistance. And so someone that says, I'm meek, I do whatever God says, and I hate it, but I do it. You know, listen, if God has to get you to do something and you're kicking and screaming and listen, that's not meek. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, that the meek shall inherit the earth. And a lot of times we don't get that, but he's saying the submissive, right-hearted, pure-hearted, gentle people inherit the earth. God can, I mean, he can put you in charge of some stuff. If you're a meek and humble person, if you're submissive to the will of God. And, and, and so absolutely that one way of, of, of talking about gentleness. In fact, uh, again, the King James in the fruit of the spirit says meekness, but, but a synonymous word for gentleness is meekness. B mercy. Let's hear it for mercy. Come on. Yeah. 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 All right. Good answer. Yeah. I love mercy. And so a gentle person is someone who shows mercy to others. I believe that Jesus was very merciful in the story we just read in John 8. Anybody? Was that a very merciful situation? I mean, he could have blasted the dudes. He could have blasted the lady. He could have just gone off on everybody. But Jesus was gentle and he was merciful. And so I just mentioned the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 5. Well, in Matthew 5, 7, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Who likes to obtain mercy when you've been stupid? I think we all do. The best way to receive mercy is to give mercy, to show mercy. And so if you are not a merciful person, Listen, you can't biblically expect to receive mercy 
when you've been bad or you've sinned or, or you've made a mistake. It doesn't work that way. Merciful people obtain mercy from God. And my goodness, we've got a lot of scriptures uh, where Jesus says that exact same way. And so we know that we all make mistakes. We all have sinned. We, we all have times where we need mercy and the gentle person, the merciful person has already opened up the door for mercy to be shown to them. Letter C, let's go. Hey, hold on, let's go. Let's see is forgiveness. These are all synonymous words. Look it up. Forgiveness. This word alone describes Jesus beautifully, but this word should describe Christians beautifully as well. If somebody could, again, we've said this, this whole series, if somebody were to describe you in nine words, the ideal situation is that the nine words are the fruit of the spirit. But I would really like it if people would say he was a very forgiving person. He's been very merciful and kind. I want people to say that about me. Let's look at Mark 11 real quick. Mark 11. Amen. Who's with me? Mark 11. And so Mark 11 is a chapter that we definitely use a lot around here. In fact, my dad preached on it on Sunday night. But we, we usually use Mark 11, 22 through 24. Have faith in God. Jesus answering said unto them, very, verily I say unto you, amen. You know that you know it. But uh, what we often do is not go all the way to verse 25. So Mark 11, 25. We're talking about forgiveness here. Mark 11, verse 25. And this is a powerful um, part of this whole uh, teaching from Jesus. Mark 11, 25. Who likes it when your prayers get answered? I mean, I like it or else I wouldn't pray. I like, I, I like my prayers to get answered. But Mark 11, 25, Jesus said, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And so what's that referring to? Forgiveness. It's talking about gentleness kindness that goes with the fruit of the spirit. And so if we want forgiveness in our lives, if we want mercy, we have to be a gentle person that shows these things to others. Also letter D here's a fun one. Consider it who? Yeah. Amen. Let's hear it for the considerate people. Am I right? Yeah. We need more of them. Don't we consider it now. <laughs> It really seems these days that there are a lot of people that are not considerate of others. You ever have somebody just cut right in front of you, you know, at the store or get in the self-checkout line? They clearly have like 17 items in the 15-item line. I mean, hey, I've done that, but we're not talking about me. We're talking about you. And and as we're looking at that, you know, like, man, you know, that can tick you off. That's not considerate. But we as Christians are called to be considerate. Now, I was thinking of the story when Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, you could say that that was a lot of things. That was generous. That was kind. That was loving. But it was also extremely considerate. Because when you're reading this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, you can see that he had preached to them and all this stuff. And then they went back on their way. And Jesus told the disciples, hey, we got to feed these guys. Uh, you know, they, they could be hungry. They could faint or pass out along the way home if they don't get any food. And the disciples 
disciples say, well, where are we going to get food? We're in the middle of nowhere. There's no stores or anything. He's like, duh, you guys are going to feed them. They're like, what? And so Jesus, you know, multiplies the fish and the loaves. But that's a story of Jesus being considerate, thinking about other people more than he thinks of himself. Who knows that Christians should think about other people more than they think about themselves? Did we do that? Okay. All right. Hey, I'm just asking it. Hey, let's do it. All right. And then the fifth fun synonym, you're going to love this one. It's beautiful. Everybody loves it. It's called reverence. Reverence is actually, believe it or not, a synonymous word to gentleness. And this may seem like a strange word to throw in with gentleness, but for us Christians, this makes perfect sense. When we look at the life of Jesus, again, we see an immense level of respect and reverence. Do you glean that from Jesus? That he, in fact, he would go on to say, I only do what my father tells me. I, I want to bring glory to the father. I, and, and, and when you, you know, we keep referencing the story of him flipping tables and chasing people with the whip and calling them vipers and things like that. Well, listen, out of all of that, what ticked him off? It was that people had no reverence for God's house. And part of this was this gentle, reverent spirit that Jesus had. And, you know, I, I look at our church, we have a lot of fun and we joke around a large percentage of the time around here. I get that. But I also want our church to be a place of gentleness and reverence for the things of God. You understand that? We want to reverence the things of God. And I love how our altar and prayer time, especially over these past few months, has gotten so much more reverent. And, you know, we started cracking down on this a while back because I was seeing people. I'd go into like, okay, guys, you know, here's the chance. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, we're going to give you that chance. Then I'd see church members from over here meet up with people over here and go to the back and start playing Angry Birds on their phone or something. And I'm like, what? That's more important than someone getting saved? Or, you know, I'd see people start talking and laughing and elbowing. And the worst of all is when I saw people get disrespectful during communion. I mean, that ticks me off. It makes me really mad. Because, you know, you're bringing danger on your life, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so, we, you know, we've gotten more serious about our reverent moments around here and it's working. I love it. You know, in the last month, man, there's been like 11 salvations. It's been incredible. I'm loving this, you know, baptized 20 people last uh, a few weeks ago, you know, just all sorts of great things. But when you begin to kick up your level of reverence for the proper times, Man, God can really work on people's hearts in a really great way. And so that's why I encourage us at the end when we're praying for people that if you're not getting prayer, you're worshiping God there and you're praying for the people up here. And you guys have been doing it and I love it. So good job. Shout out to you guys. You're the best. Amen. You're, you're very humble. You don't want to clap for yourselves. I, I get it. I get it. Nobody does. But all right. And then number three, let's get into this. Number three tonight is that as Christians, we are to be known by our gentleness. We are to be known by our gentleness. Let's look at Philippians chapter four and verse five. Philippians four, verse five. I'm going to read it in the New King James. Philippians four and verse five. And this is a great verse, Philippians chapter 4.
verse 5 in the New King James, it says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, if you're reading your NLT like I usually do, notice that it, it uses that synonymous word we just talked about. It says, consider it. Uh, it, it says, it says, uh, it says to let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Well, the New King James says that you are gentle. Let your gentleness be known to all men. So everybody should look at you and say that you're a gentle and considerate person. And if they don't say that, well, then, hey, we've got some room for growth. We could do a little bit better. Amen. And so and so this is a room for growth. But I've said it in every single lesson so far during this series. Each of these fruit of the spirit ties in with each other. They're not disconnected, random things. This isn't a buffet where you can get pizza over here and, you know, uh, orange chicken over here. I mean, you know, I love stuff like that. It's incredible. If you don't like that, you're weird, but this isn't like that. All of these go together perfectly, but they all tie back to the very first fruit of love. And so Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this shall men know that you're my disciples need if you have love for one another. And so when people see joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, it all points them back to the love of God in your life. And these things prove that you obey the two commandments. What are our two commandments as New Testament Christians? Love God and love people. And Paul put it this way, that, and Jesus put it this way, that this sums up everything in the whole law of Moses and all the teachings of the prophets, that if I love God... I'm not going to put any other images before him. I'm not going to have any idols. If I love people, I'm not going to steal from them. I'm not going to, certainly I'm not going to kill them. I'm not going to do any of these other things. And so the fruit of the spirit proves that I love God and that I love people. Now notice there at that verse, put it back on the screen. This verse ends with the Lord is at hand or the NLT literally says that the Lord is coming soon. Now, someone would think, well, that's nice, but but what does that have to do with being gentle? That has nothing at all to do with being gentle. Well, it seems that Paul says it's even more important than ever to be gentle right now in the end times. And again, gentleness uh, is not being known as being weak or soft, but for being strong and having self-control to go along with your strength. And so in these dark end times days, Someone that's strong, but compassionate and has the love of God is exactly what this world needs. Someone that knows how to fight evil, but with the right heart and the love of God is going to make an impact as the day of Jesus return draws near. Do you have time for one more verse? You do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 15, one, let's go. Proverbs 15, one. Let's look at this. This will be our last verse. Proverbs 15, 1 in the NLT. Proverbs 15, 1. Amen. And so this is a verse that we quote to our kids all the time because, I mean, you read the verse. And one thing I love about the Proverbs is I think a lot of it kind of, I don't know, seems like common sense when you really think about it. <laughs> and so this isn't super deep. But it is, it's the truth. Okay. Proverbs 15, 1. A 
Say, say, what's that next word? A gentle, all right, soft, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And I, I, I can see how Jesus' reaction in John chapter 8, what did he do? He came back at everybody with a soft answer and it deflects anger. And again, I quote this to my kids like all the time because, you know, they wonder why when a sibling asks a question like, hey, can I borrow this? <laughs> they blow up. And then they wonder why this guy gets mad. And I'm like, well, <laughs> a soft answer, a gentle answer deflects wrath. Amen. It deflects anger. When you just blow up on somebody, when you answer people in a rude and mean way, and then you wonder why they're mad, you're the dumb one. I mean, you're, you're the fool. You're the, I mean, how do you, how, it's right there. Amen. It's right there. And so, uh, I, but hey, let's go. Listen, I, this is, this is good advice. Who thinks this is good advice? This is, this is great advice for our keyboard warriors as well. Let's hear for the keyboard warriors. We love them. They're the best. Everybody loves them. But listen, when you're talking online and you know you're right, or, or, or maybe you really do have truth to share, when you Approach your truth, the truth, there's not your truth. When you approach the truth with gentleness, meekness, consideration, reverence, mercy, forgiveness, all these beautiful words that we put into our stew of gentleness tonight. When you approach sharing the truth with somebody in gentleness, it goes a really long way. Have you noticed that? The truth presented in a rude or condescending way actually doesn't help people. Well, I told them the truth. I told them how dumb they were and how wrong they were, and then they didn't receive it. I struck my imaginary beard for a minute while I think about this. Listen, that, uh, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. And, and, and that people don't receive that. And so you may be right, but in the end, you still take the L because nobody listened to what you had to say. The truth presented with gentleness, the right way, the truth, not backing down from the truth, changes lives. And I've seen many people win the battle, but lose the war. And so just because you steamroll someone and win the argument <laughs> online or in person, it doesn't mean you won the war. It doesn't mean you won the war. If you proved you're right, but you shoved someone away from being open to the truth, I somehow think that Jesus doesn't consider that a win in your win column. And so one, I'm going to tell a quick story, then we're going to get into communion here. But when I was in college, I was, uh, you know, working as a telemarketer. I don't like to share that publicly, but I was. And so I told you guys I had a past. It's part of my testimony. I got delivered, but I was a telemarketer. And so, uh, but one day I worked, and in the telemarketing industry, I'm just going to say, you don't always exactly work with the cream of the crop. There are some very strange characters that I worked with, very weird, weird people. But one day I was working with this guy and, uh, anyway, I won't go into all that, but, uh, anyway, he starts talking to me and he finds out that I'm a Bible college student. And man, that just lit the fire. He was, he was ready for the debate. 
And so he wanted to just, he wanted to go at it. And, you know, I'm like, well, I'm, that's not what I do. All right. I mean, I know some, I know about the Bible, to be honest. I know some things, but I don't like to go out there. I don't, I'm, I don't like to debate people. I, I don't like to just yell louder and, and it just doesn't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. And so this guy, we're getting into it. And, and then I, I got a lot of answers when he's like, yeah, I'm from Redondo Beach, California. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's one of my first times meeting a Californian. And then I moved here. So anyway, but we started getting into it and he's expecting me, man. He's just like trying to gaslight this whole thing and get a reaction out of me. Well, if God's real, then blah, 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 blah. And if God's good, then blah, 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 blah. And if blah, 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 and I'll bet you and I'll blah, 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 blah. And just going everywhere. And I just, I didn't take the bait, man. I'm just, I don't, I'm not doing that. And so I just kept coming back. Hey, I get it. Hey, you're frustrated. Listen. God loves you. I love you. You can say all this about me. You can say all this about, you know, my church, my school, my people. Hey, that doesn't change the fact that God loves you. And and we we approached it from love. Man, I got this dude just break down in tears. Not me, but the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. And this man was a he was a goth person in a trench coat from head to toe and all this stuff. And and, and he starts crying. He's like, I'm gonna be honest with you right now. I was a Christian. I had enrolled in a Bible college in California, but I just let stuff get to me and I blew the whole thing up and now I've hated Christians. But he came to me looking for a fight and I just, I I wasn't in my fighting mood that day. Usually not, but anyway, (laughs) a lot of you guys are like, wait a minute. Hey, I said, if I wanted to, I could. (laughs) And it was, stop, 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 stop. All right. So, but I, I didn't, I didn't give it to him. We didn't, he didn't get the fight he was looking for. He got gentleness. And listen, this guy, it broke him down. And we prayed and he gave his life back to Jesus and got right back on the right track, man. But listen, I could have, I could have gone at it, man. I could have gone nuclear with theology and, and hermeneutics and, and blah, 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 blah. And all, but would I have really won anything? No. And so gentleness, gentleness is strength. Gentleness is truth. Gentleness is not backing down or laying down, you know, your, your moral. It's, it's not any of those things. No. Gentleness is beautiful. It's one of the strongest attributes of the Christian because we can win wars, but we can do it without doing it their way. We don't have to fight. We don't have to explode. We don't have to rage. We can get right to the heart of the issue with the love of God. And it's beautiful. They don't have that. We've got that. We've got the fruit of the Spirit. We can straight up win battles and wars with this stuff. But Jesus said that this is something that's going to describe the Christian. Christians, we're strong, but we're full of gentleness and we control that strength. Amen? All right, we're going to go ahead and end right there tonight. Can we go ahead and stand up together? Amen? Hallelujah. Yeah. Pray that we receive from the word tonight. We're going to go ahead and get into our time of communion here. And I remind anybody watching online with us, we invite you to receive communion too. We'd love it if you would. We're going to take a minute here. The ushers have the elements. And so Pastor Josh is going to go ahead and lead us in some worship. But let's go ahead, come up here and get the elements. And you take it back to your spot and then we'll receive communion here in just a minute. Amen.
tells us, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, we don't want to sin against anybody ever, but at the top of that list is Jesus Christ himself. We do not want to sin against Jesus or against the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28 says, that is why you should examine yourself or judge yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And so we're going to take a minute tonight, just a minute here, to examine our lives, judge our lives. And if we need to talk to God, if we need to repent, if we need to make some changes in some way, right now is the time that we do that. And I, I, you know, just truth, you know, if God's dealing with something on your heart and you know, you know that he's dealing with you, but you're like, you know what, I'm just not willing to even deal with that or talk about that or, or even make an effort to change that or repent of that. The, the best advice is to not receive communion because at that point, you know, you're disrespecting the body and blood of the Lord. Now that's not saying that if you got something going on that you're instantly perfect at it, but it is saying, you know what, I'm going to be honest with God. I'm willing to quit this. I'm willing to work on this. I'm willing to start taking steps on this. If you're just not willing at all, then it's a very, you know, it's not not a biblically good idea to sit there and take the Lord's Supper. Amen. And so let's take a minute tonight to examine and judge ourselves before we receive the elements. Corinthians 11 and verse 23. For I pass on to you 
what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. So Jesus, we do this tonight. It represents your body. We do this to remember you. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. So Jesus, we take this tonight and we understand that this isn't literally your blood, Lord, but it represents your blood. And we know, Jesus, that this paid the price for our sins. And, and Lord, this is how we can go to heaven because of your blood. We receive it tonight and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up with me tonight. Amen. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in a little bit of worship here. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, we encourage you to come come right up. And we'd love to be in agreement with you. We'd love to pray with you. If you don't need prayer, great for you. Worship God and pray for the people up here. And we decide that you give us a few minutes of that gentleness, that reverence tonight as the Lord ministers to others. Amen. Go ahead, Pastor John.
things out tonight. Did anybody receive from the Lord this evening, from the Word of God? That's exactly what we want. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out in prayer, and we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands together tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that you are good. Your mercy endures forever. And we thank you for the truth that is in your word. And as we've been studying the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, I thank you that all of these things, Lord, that we're growing in them and we're growing in our knowledge of the word. We're growing in our knowledge of you. And we're being doers of the word, not just hearers only. So thank you, Jesus, that uh, as we go tonight, Lord, that we're going filled up with the word of God. And we are using that word every day in Jesus' name. Amen. I was forgetting something. Is Norma in here? Hey, Norma, let's pray for Norma, guys. She's going to have a baby on Friday. Yeah. Come on, real quick, real quick. I mean, well, excuse, not real quick. Uh, um, my bad. And, you know, in a great way. Come at your own pace. Come as you are. We're going to pray. I just want to pray for her real quick. Amen. Don't, don't run. Don't run. No, don't do that. Don't. <laughs> I don't know. Hey. We were aiming for Friday, but why not? You know, today's a great day. All right, let's 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 just pray for us, her family real quick. She's having this baby on Friday, and everything's going to be awesome. Amen. 
Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for Norma and Blake and the whole family, Lord. They're so awesome. They're serving you. And Lord, we just pray over this baby right now. And we say in the name of Jesus that he's being born at just the right moment and everything is working exactly how it's supposed to, Lord. We say the doctors are blessed. Norma's blessed. The baby's blessed. And Lord, that he's perfectly healthy and whole in every single way. It's going to be a great and beautiful day, a smooth day, Lord. And thank you that Norma's recovering very, very quickly. And it's just going to be awesome. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Awesome, everybody. All right. Let's do, let's do our Barstow Faith Confession. Then you can go. All right. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.